Welcome, welcome. Today, I'm going to just give you a little heads up as to what we're going to do today. Today, um, we are going to continue our conversation and our exploration of the archetypal mother, the sacred feminine, which is something that we've been exploring for the month of May. And this week, I brought forward on Tuesday the idea of the sacred mother, the sacred feminine, as the third jewel in Buddhism, the Sangha. The energy that is about cultivating community, cultivating communal living, connection, can hold that level of, of container, can bring that all together, um, is really focused. <clears throat> when you think of a container, I want you to think about the container kind of folding in on itself. So the archetypal mother and the sacred feminine is a folding inward as opposed to folding outward, which is a more protective nature, keeping things out. That is not what we're talking about. The sacred feminine is capable of doing that. But what we're focusing on is something a little bit more inward, a little bit more tender, a little more introspective. Today, we're also going to bring forward a graph that I'm going to show you today. This comes out of a study of Harvard from Harvard, and it, it is a measure of emotional capacity and quality versus one's call to action. And one of the things before I show you this graph is we all have this habit energy that is very dualistic in its thinking. One is better than the other. I want this and not that. If it's small, it's better to have something that's big. Small is bad, big is good. Or big is bad and small is good. Just whatever that dualism is. Today, what I'd like you to be reflecting on for yourself, again, taking that inward look, is when you hear some of this language, notice how this dualistic right or wrong, good or bad um, attitude gets activated for you. Because this presentation of this graph has nothing to do with right or wrong. It is simply the spectrum of human expression. We are all capable of having these emotions, having action and inaction. You are being invited to simply learn about it, explore it as opposed to judging it for being bad or negative. Okay? So to begin, we're going to ground and we're going to center ourselves and really bring our tender attention inward. Welcome everyone. This is Recovery Dharma with the Spokane Sangha. My name is Julia. I'm one of the facilitators in this community and I am so happy to be here. I'd like to set the intention for our practice today with a sentiment of metta, loving kindness. These are these little cards I paint, and on the back of them I write these sentiments of metta. This one reads, May you learn to see 
with your eyes closed. May you learn to see with your eyes closed. Friends, some of our community members do not feel secure when the eyes are completely closed. If that is you on a regular basis or just today, please honor your knowing and don't close your eyes all the way. Close your eyes so that the gaze is downward and inward. This is a concentration practice the eighth aspect to the Noble Eightfold Path, wise concentration, and it requires all of the other aspects as well. Take a moment to joyfully scan your body and just notice the posture the body is assuming today. Notice if the body is feeling tight, withdrawn, open, soft. The body takes on different postures for all kinds of reasons. No need to judge it, just observe. For instance, my, the right side of my neck and shoulders are very, very tight. I was Tawanda-ing yesterday. For those of you who have practiced with me for a long time, know that Tawanda is the name of my weed whacker. It's one of my favorite tools on my farm. And when I strap into Tawanda, I feel like a Jedi. I am a Jedi. And, but there's a lot of tension on, on this body of mine. So I'm, I'm just holding a lot of tension there. And, um, and it had to be there in order for me to power up this piece of equipment and keep me safe. But I'm not Tawanda-ing right now. So I'm trying to send that tight part of my body just a gentle reminder that it can relax and let go a little bit. Relax and let go just a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about the sacred feminine, the archetypal mother, that quality within each of us that has this capacity to bring life in, to bring it close to the heart, close to the body, want to really wrap life in another person, for instance, wrap them up, 
hold them close, take care. It's worth recognizing, however, that there are certain life forms that we can't bring in real close for all kinds of reasons. It's hard to hug a porcupine. It's hard to hug a cactus. It's hard to bring in a life, a sentient being that is fighting, thrashing, And so we have to have really good boundaries in understanding the spectrum of our emotions and how that plays and defines the way we act and the capacity of our actions. For right now, I'll show you the graph at the end because right now I just want your imagination to play. The emotion that we're going to bring forward is the word and the emotion pity. To pity is to feel sorry for. And when we have pity for something or someone, Our call to action is not great. It's not a lot. And it comes up in all kinds of ways. We may pity seeing an unhoused person on the street and not want to interact with that individual at all we might even step over them. We might not make eye contact with them, but we nevertheless feel something for them. And maybe our inaction is worth exploring and wondering about and getting curious about. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's judgment. Maybe it's some other thought or story. The practice is to simply observe, right now I am feeling sorry, I am feeling for another person, but I'm not going to do anything to affect their life. And it happens. The next emotion is sympathy. And sympathy has a quality of pity where we feel sorry for someone and their situation and we might act on that. That's what changes pity to sympathy is the action is different. Now, maybe... If it's a, a homeless person, an unhoused person who is on street drugs, using street drugs, clearly suffering, maybe we're aware that there's some fear. 
Is this person dangerous? Maybe there's some fear of a craving or a trigger or a memory. So maybe my capacity to act to alleviate this individual's suffering is not going to be direct. It is going to be indirect. And so I might call up one of our Sangha members like Susan or Estine who have devoted their careers to working with um, unhoused community members and say, hey, what can I do? How can I donate? Does, Does Catholic Charities need bedding, clothes, something? The next emotion is empathy. And empathy is to feel with. I feel sorry, I feel pity, and I feel connected. I feel with this person. I have a relationship to this emotion, to their experience. Somehow I can see myself clearer in their experience. And once again, pity and sympathy are there. Maybe in that empathetic state, I still don't want to interact with this individual directly. I don't want to sit with them. I don't feel safe being in a group. I'm going to call a a service that serves unhoused people. But maybe my empathy enables me to not look away, to look directly, to notice something new, to listen to a story. to volunteer handing out food, to make a different kind of connection, a different kind of action, something that has a little bit different kind of connection. I'm going to pause a moment here, friends, and I'm going to insert a concept called empathetic distress. And this is something Roshi Joan Halifax discusses in the book that we study on Wednesdays. And the reason why I'm inserting it here is because this is when the mind starts to go into a dualistic format. Ooh, empathy sounds like the way to be. Pity and sympathy are kind of... uh, I don't really know about those two. 
is sound kind of negative, but empathy sounds kind of saintly and kind of spiritual and kind of more like what I want to be. And all of that's great, except when we're unboundaried. And we think that's the way we need to be all the time. So we just put ourselves out there again and again and again and again and again until we have nothing to give. Until there is none of us in our actions, no spirit behind it, no soul. So before we know it, our actions become riddled with irritation, frustration, judgment, resentment. And what we wanted as an empathetic response becomes more pitiful in reality. So this is why the this graph and this spectrum we have to stay boundaried and we have to know and honor what our capacity is. Not everyone is called to serve the needs of unhoused people. Not everyone is capable of drawing blood, of becoming a phlebotomist like one of our Sangha members was. I'm raising my hand. No way, no how. I, if you're dying, I am so with you. I will sit with you all the way. If you're bleeding, I'm not your person. I will run away from you. So sorry. As soon as somebody puts a bandage on your bloody wound, and even if you're bleeding to death, I'll be with you. But not if I'm seeing blood. Mm -mm. And I will feel sorry for you until I I stop seeing you bleeding. That's my capacity. That's me. I have the capacity to pity and I have the capacity to express great empathy. Holding it all is the spirit of compassion. And compassion is limitless in its capacity. It is impeccably boundaried because it is clear. It understands in a spirit of compassion based on our capacity, based on our karma, based on our knowing and our talent. We put our talents and our callings to where they will best serve. If we push ourselves in areas for which we have no skill or talent, we might risk doing more harm and our actions are rendered no good, even though we feel deeply for a person. Compassion says, know yourself. What are you capable of? And act accordingly. Clearly, wholeheartedly, 
lovingly. Friends, take a moment and allow your imagination to become activated and see if you can identify some habit energy within yourself that you pity. You feel sorry for yourself, but it's not enough for you to do anything differently. You pity, you don't feel great about yourself, and yet you still engage the same habit energy. You're not making a change. And just observe it. The habit energy of this is to judge. And that might even be an interesting um, energy to work with. Maybe apply a little sympathy to the fact that we're so quick to judge. The mind is so quick. And it's a very human thing to do. So for me, when I remember that, I'm like, oh right, I'm in really good company. I don't have to treat myself with such a pathetic tone when I'm working with something that I I pity in myself. I feel sorry for myself. And then I remember, oh, this habit energy is shared by so many human beings and pretty soon my empathy gets activated. I'm with a lot of other people. Wow, yes. So many people have this habit energy. And then I'm quick to jump into compassion. 
and whatever negativity, whatever thing about me that I'm, I'm pitying, I'm feeling sorry for, I'm not really actively changing, I notice it in myself. And then I can practice a little Tonglen. Breathe it in, knowing that it is the human experience. So many others are feeling this too. May I feel it fully so they feel it less. May I feel it fully so others feel it less. Beautiful way to activate the compassionate heart, the bodhicitta, soft wounded heart, limitless kindness and joy, compassion, freedom. As you come back, I'm going to hold up my little graph here. Lo, will you highlight that for me so we can all see it on the thing? There. You can see it on the graph. We've got the action of pity. Here's my emotion of pity. I'm not acting a whole lot with it. Empa- or sympathy includes it. Empathy includes pity and sympathy, and then compassion contains the whole thing. So this is the quality of emotion and as it relates to our capacity to act. All righty, friends. Okay. Let's dedicate this practice and let's use Elizabeth's beautiful example to bring into the container of community those who are on the other side of this life. In the world of recovery and support for two years running now, The United States of America has seen more deaths by drug overdose than in its combined history. The epidemic of opioid use disorder rages and its proliferation into street manufacturing, street consumption is overwhelming. May anyone on the streets today, may they all find a moment of ease, several moments of ease and safety. 
the least we can do for our fellow human beings is to stop inflicting harm on ourselves. May that be the least we do. May that be the starting point to do less harm to ourselves. And with that intention, may that extend to all living beings to simply do a single degree less harm. May we use the harm of the past, the regret that we hold there, as motivation and energy to propel us forward toward healing, toward goodness, toward the limitless qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Do less harm, friends, and you bring peace to the world. See you next time. Namaste.